Then developing strength, that should be part three or part four. Developing strength. We're continuing our discourse in this month's series. Our focus this month is on developing strength, developing the capacity, the requisite capacity for fulfilling God's promises and his prophecies to you and I. Um, because the fact that God has said something, I've told us this a couple of times, is no guarantee that that thing will happen automatically. There is always a what to do. There is always a responsibility that must be fulfilled, a duty that must be carried out, certain principles that must be applied in order for us to walk in the fullness of that which God has promised us. And it's what to us for this year as a church, as a spiritual family, is glory. He said it is our glory days. And to experience glory simply means to come into the fullness and the manifestation of God's plan and purpose for your life, right? To come into a level, you see, another word, um, what glory also means, you see, is wealth. Is wealth. That's why sometimes in scriptures you'll see the Bible talking about the glory of a man. You see, in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 8, he says God is able to raise up the poor from the dust and the beggar from the dungu to set them among princes. He says they might inherit throne of glory. You see, so you need to understand the word glory. I'm still going to do a teaching on that maybe next month or before the end of this month if time permits. Right, for us to have an accurate understanding, you see, of what glory is. And glory also means that you get to a point where you cannot deny the happenings of God in your life. Where you cannot deny it. Nobody can deny when the sun is at its brightest in the midday. That's the glory of the sun. You can't deny it. You see, nobody could deny it when God lifted Joseph. When God turned things around in his life. That's why in Psalms 126 and verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, When the Lord turned around the captivity of Zion. He says, We're like them that drink. He said, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the heathen, The Lord has done great things for them. It simply means they were not the only ones that recognized God that had done something for them. The hidden saw it. And you know, the hidden simply means the unbelievers, the unbelieving. You see, the unbelieving, that's why they're actually unbelievers. It's very difficult for them to believe something is good. But when the unbelieving looks at your life and they begin to say, Ah, of the truth, God has done something great for them. That is glory. It simply means it cannot be denied. It means it cannot be refuted. It means no matter how much you try to explain it away, just like um, in the book of Acts, the Bible says that after they had tried to stop the apostles from preaching the gospel several times, the Bible says they will beat them and tell them, you see, not to preach the gospel anymore. But one day, one of the Pharisees arose and told his colleagues, he said, the fact that a notable miracle has been done by their hands cannot be denied. It cannot be denied. And I think it was the miracle of the man that was, you know, at the gate called beautiful that be crippled all his life. You see, when that man began to walk, nobody could deny it. Why? Because everyone had known that man all his life. That even though he's at the gate called beautiful, his life experiences is ugly. There was nothing to write home about. So when it is. So I pray for you that in this year 2023, beginning from this month of February, God will do something for you in your business, in your career, in your finances, in your marriage that cannot be denied by anyone. In the name of Jesus. I pray for you that things will begin to spring forth in your life that no one will be able to explain away. In the name of Jesus. In 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1 to 10, we're not going to read that. We'll read the second one. Um, we've read the scripture, which is our anchor text for this series, talking about David when he was going to die, when he was going to transition. The Bible says that he called the son Solomon and he began to give him some charge. He began to tell him what to do after his passing. 
And the first thing he told him was that he should be strong and that he should show himself a man. So the question is, is it that Solomon was not a man? Like I think I mentioned last week Sunday. He wasn't talking about, you know, becoming a man in terms of age. He was talking about becoming a man in terms of growth. He was talking about becoming a man in the sense that you are now about to assume responsibilities you have never assumed before in your life. This is a responsibility that no matter how much you have been trained for it, you cannot be completely trained for what you are going to face. So he told him, you've got to be strong. You've got to be strong to make some decisions. You've got to be strong such that there are certain people you will offend. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are not an ice cream seller. It is an ice cream seller that makes everybody happy. You see, you are not. You are a king. There are policies you will make. There are decisions you will make, right, that even the people that are closest to you will not be comfortable with. That was the lesson that Solomon refused to transfer to his own son, Rehoboam. After Solomon died, he didn't have this kind of conversation with his son, Rehoboam. And after Solomon had reigned and David, I think for maybe 80 years combined. No, 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 sorry. I'm not sure. I don't want to give the accurate figure. Let me just leave it at that. After they had drained for decades anyway, I think it was 80. The Bible says when Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, became king. You see, the people came to him, the citizens, because during the time of his rulership, he executed a lot of projects, you know, that made him to increase taxes. So they came to him, we are done with the construction. Why don't you reduce the taxes? So Solomon, you know, because he had not trained his son, his son went to the wrong sources for counsel. He first went to his own father's council, the people that counseled his father, and said, oh, this is what the people are saying. So the people told him, the old men, they told him, oh, what they said is accurate, it's fantastic. If you can reduce the taxes, these people are going to serve you for the rest of their life. Unfortunately, he went to his friends. His friends that they grew up together. His parties. And those ones told him, ah, you better don't listen to them. They will think you are a weak man. So in the bid to prove that he was a man, he ended up making a stupid decision. You see, he himself knew that the counsel of the elderly was the right counsel, but he wanted to please his friends. Let me tell you this, as you grow in life, you will have to make some decisions that will hurt some people closest to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, not deliberately to hurt them, but because they may misunderstand certain things you are doing. That's why at the age of 12, the Bible says that Jesus stayed behind, right, at the synagogue, asking questions from the teachers of the law. The Bible says days later, his parents found out he was not in the caravan. Eventually, they found him in the synagogue. And I said, what are you doing here? You see, that was not a decision that a normal person should make. But Jesus told the spirits, he said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? You are my foster parents. You are not my real parents. You see, there is a reason why I came. And I must start equipping myself for the journey of the mission that we start in some years time. 18 years to be precise. Because at the age of 30, Jesus stepped into the fullness of his purpose for coming to the earth. You see, so if Jesus wanted to be pleasing everybody, you see, did you know that even when he was still on earth, during his earthly ministry, his brothers did not believe in him? They didn't believe in him. It was after he died that they now, you see, one of his brothers, or I think two of them, actually wrote a book in the New Testament. I think that was James uh, and James and John. You see, but while he was still alive, they didn't believe that much in him. So there are times that in the process of growth, you will have to make certain decisions that everybody will not understand. But you see, the uh, the, the fact that you are making those decisions is the real proof that you are growing and you are maturing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. So we've spoken about the reason why we need to develop strength. So I'm not going to go into that anymore. Get the message and listen to it. 
So he said the cardinal key to developing strength, right, is growth. The more you grow, the stronger you become. You don't need to pray, right, for a 15 years old to carry something a 5 year old cannot carry. You don't need to pray. As long as the child is being fed and the child is growing properly, there are things the child will be able to carry at the age of 15 that he could not carry at the age of 2. Am I right? So it's just normal. It's just normal. So you want to develop strength. Instead of running after the strength, pay attention to your growth. Pay attention to your growth. Pay attention to your growth. The more you grow, the stronger you become. That's why in Exodus 23, and verse 29 to 30, I want us to see that scripture again. Exodus 23, and verse 29 to 30. This is God's word to the children of Israel, and also his word to us. Because the Bible says the things that were written at four times. They were written for our learning. Exodus 23, can we have it? Verse 29 and verse 30. Can we read together one to go? I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against you. But little and little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and inherited the land. Did you, and inherit the land. Did you see that? So God is saying that I'm not going to hand over everything to you on a platter of gold. See? One of the things I had to learn the hard way years ago is that it is not being nice to hand over things to people they've not quali- they are not qualified for, including access. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes when you give things to people they are not qualified for, it will even be the beginning of their destruction. Because God said here, if I give you the land at once, the beast will multiply against you. Why? Because you have not developed the capacity to ward off the beasts. So sometimes, especially if you, you know, you are someone that you are not so strong in your personality, you want to please everybody, you want to make everybody happy, there are certain things you just want to do which eventually becomes destructive. For instance, as a parent, if you're giving everything to a child, the child says, I want chocolate, you give the child. I want tablet, you give the child. I want to watch Nickelodeon, the child watches Nickelodeon. I want to, what do they watch again? Huh? Jim Jam. What gym jam? I pray it does not jam. Mm. Just keep doing every, everything the child wants. The child sleeps when the child wants to sleep. The child eats what the child... Oh, no, no, no. That, child, that is not love. That's destruction waiting to happen. Because that child is not being raised and trained with boundaries. So, <laughs> you see, when kids come to a house, sometimes when, you know, some relatives say, ah, you know, our kids are saying they miss you, they want to see you. I tell them, I say, you all, I hope you remember my house is the house of laws. Whatever you allow in your house is not allowed in my house. Everybody knows there is a time. You can, for instance, you can't wake up in my house and be watching TV. Are you demon possessed? TV, first thing in the morning. Ah, something must be wrong with you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you wake up in the morning and you are watching TV. Ah, something is wrong with you. You've not spoken with God, you've not spoken to your own life. You've not planned the day early in the morning when people are going to work. Oh, you know people do it in the name of entrepreneur. That's why a lot of entrepreneurs end up as failures in life. Because there is no boundary. No discipline. They just do things as convenient. So, if you're going to grow, if you're going to develop strength, you must learn to place boundaries around your life. Don't wait for people to place the boundary. You place the boundary over your life. When you drive on Third Mainland Bridge, or any bridge, <laughs> normal bridge, you see guardrails. The purpose of the guardrail is not to restrict you. It's actually to protect you. It's to protect you. And let me tell you this. One of the hallmarks. Let me just skip to. Let's, let, me, let me skip that. The hallmarks of growth. Please write this down. 
how do you know you are growing? And please, never confuse aging with growing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Never confuse what? Aging with growing. A lot of people are aging, but they are not growing. They have the mind of a child trapped in an adult body. Just growing. They are just aging. Adding days, months, and years of no consequence. What does it mean to age? To age is to grow old. Never confuse aging with growing. Aging and maturity are not the same thing. So growing is maturity. The hallmarks of growth, number one, is that you are claiming less rights. You are claiming less rights. <laughs> it is my right. This is my right. Who gave you the right? A right to someone else is what someone else has labored for. You see, one of the ways to make yourself grow faster is not to depend on other people's labor. I hear what I'm saying. It will incapacitate you for a very long time. I remember, I think it was my 300 level, 400 level. I was in school. My dad called me and said, you see, after you leave school, you don't need to stress yourself. You know, there's a bungalow. No, he bought squatters, actually, not bungalow. There's a boy squatters in the house, you know, that I said, <laughs> I told him that I didn't know where that thing came from. I said, I'm not coming back. He said, I'm not coming back where? I said, after school, I'm not coming back. He said, matter, right? <laughs> you know, that is be deceiving yourself. You know, he thought it was youthful exuberance, you know. Where people have lofty dreams and ideas. I never went back. I said, okay, if you say you built it for me, don't worry, it's mine. Let me be collecting the rent. He said, no, you must stay there. <laughs> I think it was even maybe three or four years later. One I wanted, I've gone to my to visit my parents. I've never entered that BQ. Because it's not mine. See, ladies, listen to me. The son of a rich man is not a rich, he's not a rich boy. Someone comes to ask you out to size up the parents. Ah! This guy is from a rich home. Does not make him rich. Does not make him rich. They, you see, you know where the riches will end? Your first house rents and the wedding. That's when it will stop. You will have a big wedding and you will be deceived. The money will keep flowing like that. There was a time David was claiming his rights. He watched over the animals of Nabal in the wilderness. And so when he heard that it was time, the time of the harvest and the sharing of the animals, the Bible says that David sent his men to Nabal to ask for their own portion. Question, was there any business agreement? Did they tell you to protect them? No. But he said, oh, because I protected them, protected the flock, now that he's doing the annual, you know, harvest and sharing, he should give me my own portion. The Bible says that when Nabal, Nabal said, who is David? There are many sons today that break away from their father. So I don't know him. I don't know who his father is. David was angry. The Bible says he was going to go with his men to kill Nabal. Unfortunately for David, because God loved him so much, the Bible says that the wife of Nabal had, and she took food to meet David on the way, and said, don't do this foolish thing, because it was a foolish thing. I don't do this foolish thing. He said, when you become king, that blood will be on your hand, and you will never be able to wipe out that record. And the Bible says that David actually gave thanks to God for that. Why? David was still in his growth process. It is no wonder that God did not allow him to become king immediately. Imagine if he was a king in that state. So it means once he said, this is mine. And you see, that thing still manifested when he became king. That was why he raped Bathsheba. Because I don't believe it was consensual. Because when you are the king, and you lay claim over a woman, can the woman say no? But the shaman, she wants it. 
She can't say, no, you are the king. So that thing also went, but actually to a point, imagine if he had not even grown at all. He had become king that way. Many of us are always claiming right. This is my right. Uh, you go to your parents' house, they give you food. You are saying the meat is too small. The meat will drop the money to buy a bee. Yes, you are not growing. You keep claiming right. This is my right. This belongs to me. No, no. It is a sign that you are not growing. The second hallmark of growth is that you are blaming others less for your predicaments and circumstances. You are blaming others less for your predicament and circumstances. That was the problem of the man at the pool of Bethesda. The Bible says, when Jesus came to him and asked him, do you want to be healed? You know what the man said? He said, I have no man. John chapter 5. I believe that should be verse 4, verse 6. He said, I have no man. I have no man. He was blaming other people. You have been on the same spot for 38 years. So you are telling me it is people that has kept you on the same spot. You are not growing. That's what it means. So when you see people that are always blaming others, blaming the economy, blaming the country, blaming Buhari administration, you are blaming the administration, in fact, blaming pandemic. In pandemic, some people made the best. Some people are still talking about COVID now. Are you, is everything okay? Still talking about COVID after many years. That's four years ago. Some people are still saying post-pandemic. When the world has moved on, don't be, don't, don't, don't die in the past. I hear what I'm saying. Don't die in the past. The future is ahead. There's a direction in which you're supposed to go. It is where God placed your eyes. It's forward. Forward. I hear what I'm saying. Forward. So stop blaming, blaming others for your predicaments and circumstances. The more you do that, it's a sign you are not growing. It's a sign you are not growing. You went to the pool to be healed. You are not the only one that wants to be healed. Other two wants to be healed. So will they leave their own sickness and face your own sickness? Of course not. The third mark of growth is that you are disciplined enough to put your desires and appetite under control. You are disciplined enough to put your desires and appetite under control. You are disciplined enough to put your desires and appetite under control. One of the proof of growth is that even though you want something, you are saying not yet. Am I making sense? How do you know a child? If a child wants something I don't give the child now, what does the child do? Huh? The child will start crying. If the child does not cry, what does he do? It will be throwing temper tantrums. Throwing temper tantrums. So when you can't put your desire and appetite, appetite for food... You know the reason why some people can't fast? They can't put their desire and appetite under control. The food you don't eat in 24 hours, you can eat it the next hour, the next day. You say you are fasting, you go for a party, you now see the food you have never seen before. You don't know that's temptation for your destiny. Why didn't you see the food when you were not fasting? From experience, I've seen that the best food of my life I see during a fast. <laughs> When I see the verse, ah, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Your desire for sleep, if you can't control the appetite, you are not growing. Desire for sex. I hear what I'm saying. You need to control it. And it is best controlled, you see, whatever you don't control as a single, you can't control as a married person. But then you say, ah, but now I'll be married. <laughs> you will not be satisfied because it's habits. 
His habits. His habits. Praise the Lord. So if you're growing, you'll be disciplined enough to put your desires and your appetite under control. Also, desire for entertainment. I remember sometimes, this is like maybe seven, eight years ago, you know, I used to live in Surulere many years ago, and in Surulere there is this cinema, I've forgotten the name, I think it's Phil Mouse, I can't remember. You know, so that's why I used to watch movies. You know, that's the only way I relax, so I love movies, even though as I watch it, that's when four hours I've forgotten what I watch. <laughs> you know, so when a movie wants to come out, I always watch it on Friday, and it's always, you know, the movie, the showing, the first showing is always expensive. So eventually when I left Surulere, I will still be going to Surulere to go and watch. Mm, One day I just sat myself down, are you all right? To watch him. In fact, I got myself so disciplined that I don't even watch it anymore. Like one of the movies I really wanted to watch when it came out was Wakanda Forever. I just watched it this February, since October. Sometimes I just tell myself, see, let me tell you this. One of the ways to discipline yourself is to make yourself not to do something you have the capacity to do. That's one of the ways to train yourself. That's how you know you are growing. Children don't discipline them. That's why children, when they want to, if they say, mommy, mommy, I want to pee. If you don't answer them on time, what would they do? They will pee on their body. It means they can't control themselves. The next hallmark of growth is that your nose are increasing. And the things you are saying yes to is reducing. Your no's are increasing and the things you are saying yes to are reducing. As you grow in life, as you grow spiritually, grow in your finances, the things you can do will increase, but the things you should do should increase. Do you get that? The things you can do will increase. But the things you should do should reduce. That's one of the ways you know you are growing. That is, you are saying more no's than you are saying yes. So if you go for a party and you go with a child, haven't you noticed that it's everything they, they are serving that the child wants to eat? They pass more chops. The child wants. Asun, the child will want. Salad, the child will want. Fanta. Even the fanta bigger than his size. If you carry it with two hands. You can see that this child is struggling with this thing, but it shall not pass me by. What happens the next day? Running to me. Running to me. Because a child has no capacity to say no. Everything is yes. You want fanta? Yes. Wine? Yes. <laughs> Movie? Yes. Babes? Yes. New car, yes. New shoe, yes. New clothes, yes. Everything is yes. So as you grow, as God increases you, your ability to say yes will increase. But your ability, your willingness to say no and the decision to say no should actually increase instead of your yeses. Am I making sense? That's how you know you are growing. If you're always saying yes to everything, act Solomon, you will soon self-destruct. All the babes that showed up, Solomon was saying yes. How can you have 800 babes? Do you even recognize them? They must have had numbers. Like prisoners, I'm very sure of it. Because how do you, there are 365 days in a year. The 800 wives were now not even enough. He had to go for 200 side chicks. 
What a cock. Because it is cocks that go after chicks, isn't it? When we get to heaven, if he's there, I want to ask him, how did you do it? <laughs> One wife takes a lot of work. You now have 800. Ah! That's not a good expertise. I'm sure he didn't die well. Me, I'm very sure of that. <laughs> he must have had high blood pressure. <laughs> different. Because <laughs> as this one is complaining about some, this one is, hey. That one, I'm sure of. It's not in the Bible, but I know. Because he himself said vanity upon vanity. So it means at the end of the day, just, this thing is not worth it. How do we know you are growing? Next, your patience increases. Your patience increases. You are willing to wait for your time and process instead of borrowing from the future to satisfy the moment or to satisfy the cravings of the moment. I'm going to say that again. Your patience increases. That is, you are willing to wait for your time and process instead of borrowing from the future to satisfy the cravings of the moment. The next hallmark of growth is that you begin to attract the things you were running after. You hear what I'm saying? See, as a believer, according to God's ordination, you are not supposed to run after things. Trust me. That's why in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. He said, what to eat, what to drink, what to put on. He said, these are the things that the Gentiles seek. He said, but your heavenly father knows that you have need of them. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and every other thing will be added to you. So God knows what you need. So the more you grow, the more you attract things into your life instead of running after them. That's why Psalm 23, I believe, verse 6, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Not you will follow them, but they will follow you. Whatever is in the bracket of good, you are not supposed to run after it. It's, you are supposed to attract it. I learned years ago that success is not what you pursue. It is what you attract as a result of who you have become. That's why if you take away everything a successful man has or a successful woman, they can reproduce it within a short time because everything came from them. Am I making sense? So how we know you are growing is that you are beginning to attract certain things into your life. You are beginning to attract what you were once running after. Next, sign that you're growing is that you now consider a molehill, or you can say consider small, what used to be a mountain to you. You now consider a molehill, what you used to see as a mountain. You can now sleep through a storm that used to give you sleepless nights. Before, <laughs> when the bill is about to be due, you can't sleep. But now you are snoring peacefully. Like Jesus. How do I know Jesus was snoring peacefully? Because in the middle of the storm, the Bible says water was even entering the ship. The disciples had to go and wake him. So, Master, don't you care that we perish? It simply means the boat were about, was about to capsize. For them to get to that point, the Bible says they were afraid. And they had to go wake him up as the last resort. And just, just clean the sleep from his eyes. It means, it's you that is bothering. It's not bothering me. That's growth. That's growth. As well, even as you grow in marriage, for those of us that are about to get married or singles planning to get married. See, if you don't grow, marriage will frustrate you. I can tell you that one for free. <laughs> if you don't want to grow, marriage is not for you. If you must always complain about everything. Married people, am I right? Some things you must learn to take your eyes away from it. It's growth. Everything, I just complain, 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 complain. Whoa. 
He will die very soon. That's what that means in my language. Just have high blood pressure. May the Lord help you. So you have to grow. Marriage will mature you. It will mature you. Except in the case of abuse. Huh? Everyone. Go and check it. Or let me say 80% of the people that leave their marriage is because they refuse to grow. They overestimated or they underestimated the growth required in marriage. You have to change because you were single. There was a time someone was not in your life. You can't keep living that life as a married person. So most times people wake up to the reality of the demanded growth and say, ah, I didn't know the work is this much. Ah, welcome to the club. That's one of the reasons why we prioritize and place value on marriage in this house. When I hear five years, seven years, eight years, ten years, I think guys are going to be 11 years this year, right? Let's celebrate them, the Ezekiels. Today is a miracle for people's marriage to be six months. You don't know. People get married, they get home after reception. Why did you put your brush there? Where should I put my brush? Only stupid people press the toothpaste from the middle. You call me stupid? I'm done. What have you done? The beans that is not yet on fire, you say it's done. You not even pick the beans, you say you are done. <laughs> oh dear. So your patience increases, your, you begin to attract what you were once running after. Next, you con- begin to consider a molehill, what used to be a mountain and cause you sleepless nights. Next, you lose or shed off toxic alliances. You lose or shed off toxic alliances. One of the ways you also know you are growing is that certain relationships will live your life. If everyone you were close to, you are still close to them, ah, you are not growing. The proof of growth is that you shed off excess weight. See, haven't you noticed that when you are traveling by road or by train, nobody checks your baggage size? Have you noticed? Do they measure it? It's as much as you can carry. But when you want to fly, they will measure it. 23 kg, only two. And hand luggage. Or you pay for excess what? Luggage. Because to fly in life, you must reduce your weight. Many of us, we are not growing. The weight is too much. That's why you are not rising. As you want to rise, the weight is pulling you back. It's pulling you. It's pulling you. It's pulling you. So another sign you are growing is that you shed off toxic alliances. Not that you will be the one chasing people away, but your growth will begin to make them uncomfortable. You just make them uncomfortable. They'll begin to look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Are you the only one? Ah, before you know it, they will give you title. See, let me tell you this. One of the ways you know you are growing is that the people you were used to, they begin to give you a title. I pastor. Ah, ah. <laughs> you are not a pastor. Don't discourage. Don't say, no, 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 I'm not a pastor. It's a church, but no, 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 no. I've always said, are you a shrine boy? It's a badge of honor. It means they are beginning to say something different about you. They say, ah, oh, this is your church. Oh, now it's his church. Oh, church. So where should I be going? Mosque or shrine? Or do the other? Is that where I should be going? I'm going for festival. Festivals that have no eternal impact. You see, learn from Joseph. When Joseph grew and he became prime minister, the day the Holy Spirit opened my eyes with it, I was just like, what? I've been reading the scriptures for so many years. I think it was last year when the Holy Spirit opened my eyes with it for the very first time. 
What did I see? After Joseph helped his brothers and brought them to Egypt, he did not live in the same place with them. Have you ever thought about it? Some of you, you have empowered people, they have overpowered you. What the Bible does not teach. Say, ah, well, it's good to be good, it's good to be nice. Which scripture is that? Which verse? Tell me. Being nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes it's a description of stupidity. Say, ah, oh, that guy is nice. It means when everybody goes out, he's the one that pays the bill and his finances is being messed up, but he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. When all of us enter public transport, he's the one that pays. Say, hey, everybody, leave it. Leave it. See, let me tell you this. The fact that you are in the same church after service and you enter public transport together does not mean you have a right to pay other people's transport. When you were coming to church, you didn't hold your transport. <laughs> so you don't need to like it, but it's the truth. Even if you enter public transport with me, being your pastor does not mean that I should pay your transport fee. Are you hearing what I said? Ah, this pastor is stingy. Okay. Did I plan you when I was leaving the house? You know, some people are nice to outsiders, but the people in their home, they are suffering. If I plan my money and I see you, I will tell you. There are times maybe I don't drive to the office, in case you think I'm just saying it. It's something I do. Ask the people working with me. Maybe I don't drive and it's time to go, man. Sometimes I just feel like taking public transport because sometimes it helps me to move, especially if I notice I've been sitting for days. And if I don't have cash, I'll just tell them, I say, guys, I didn't hold your transport money. Pay your money. And sometimes I do. And sometimes they will even be the one to pay it. Well, I'm days laughing. They will even be the same pastor will pay today. If you are not there, and if you don't do it, you are not under obligation. You see, there are lots. Of, see, let me tell you this. That is one of the things that has kept the average African poor. You go to developed country, everybody pays for their train tickets. We met in the train doors. Ah, you even pay before you enter anyway. So it's not that, ah, Auntie they say you now not pay for my train. You have already paid. In fact, you have even bought for the month. So you are just swiping your card. So there is nothing like, uh, you, you can't pay for me. Our system is so structured to keep people irresponsible, to keep them as children. All of us are looking at ah, this pastor. His own, his own is too much. It's too much. I like my life like that. You continue. But I should ask, how's your finances? Let's compare. Let's compare. Abraham didn't learn the lesson Joseph learned. God told him, get out of your father's house. land that I will show you. He didn't tell him to take lots. There are people that must live your life if you are growing. That's why even the Yoruba said, 20 children cannot play for 20 years. Except if you are growing together. But you are growing, they are not growing. And you still find their presence comfortable. Or they still find yours comfortable. You are not growing. You are not growing. I hope you are getting something out of this. The next hallmark of growth is that you outgrow certain habits, character flaws, and weaknesses. So you stop saying, ah, it's my weakness, it's my weakness. We know it's your weakness. What are you doing about it? I say, it's my weakness. I'm a quiet person, you know. So you go to a social garden. You're always sitting in one corner, alone. One year, two years, three years, four years, five years. Well, that's who I am. You are not growing in that area. It's not your weakness. You have just chosen not to grow. Most times when I tell people, people don't believe. I used to be a very shy person. I couldn't look at people in the eyes. It's very difficult for people to believe, but I worked on it. I worked on it. 
You can work on anything. But you say, ah, this is who I am. No, that's who you became. And you can become a better version of who you currently are. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you can be better than this. You know you are growing by the things you are outgrowing. How do you know a child is growing? Certain clothes will no longer fit that child. A trouser the child wore two weeks ago. The child will wear it now and it will look like the bleak. You say, ah, this boy has outgrown this thing. You know? So you change the trousers. So how we know you are growing is you are outgrowing certain things. So the question is, ask your neighbor, what have you outgrown this year? No, really ask, really ask. I want to hear our voices. What have you outgrown? What have you outgrown this year? Have you outgrown? It's very important. And you also need to ask yourself consistently, what have I outgrown? You need to always ask yourself, what am I outgrowing and what have I outgrown? The next sign that you're growing is that you can undo many responsibilities and tax simultaneously without breaking under pressure. I'm going to say that again. Another sign you're growing is that you can undo many responsibilities and tax simultaneously without breaking under pressure. You can handle many responsibilities and tax simultaneously without breaking under pressure. You see, the reward for work well done is more work. It's not rest. Go and read your Bible. That's why you notice that the people that are up there, they are getting busier. Why? Because according to God's equation, uh, the more successful you are, the more you should be handling greater responsibilities. That's why the guy that was given five talents, when he multiplied it, read your Bible. If media can help us, I think it will be a blessing. Matthew chapter 25. I can't remember the specific verse. The Bible says that when the guy came back and gave the report of having multiplied the five talents, the master, they say, ah, oh yeah, be lounging, just be having a nice time. He said, now I will put you in charge of cities. He was giving money. He multiplied it well. He now gave him put him in charge of cities. That is more work. More responsibilities. So, when you are given a responsibility and you begin to complain, it is proof you have not grown. Because some people are doing those things you are doing now and it's a walkover for them. So, it's a feedback. Whatever puts you under pressure and makes you crack is a reflection of your growth level. Am I making sense? Because there are people, do, there are people sitting on the board of 10 companies. And they still run their business. And their life, when you look at them, it's as if they are not doing anything. You are running a business. Your bottom line is not up to 10 million. You are all over the place. A busy week. Everything shuts down. Including God. Even God knows, ah, it's 10 million that is making this person like this. Ah, no, you can't go to the realm of 100. Because we give you 100, it will kill you. Because you're already cracking under the pressure of 10 million. What will now happen with 100? <laughs> to become things fall apart. So the necessary areas of growth that culminates in strength, number one, we say you need to grow in your commitment. Grow in your commitment. We've emphasized that. Next, we said grow in consecration. Grow in consecration. If you're going to grow, you must pay attention to these areas. You must grow in your commitment. You must grow in your consecration. What is consecration? Consecration is devoting yourself or cutting certain things out of your life so you can devote yourself to something of greater value. That's consecration. Consecration simply means I can, but I choose not to. 
And see, consecration is not just a biblical word. Hmm? There are many unsaved people that their level of consecration is even higher than that of saved people. So someone goes to do a money ritual and they have told him, as money is coming every day, you must not take any notes back home. There used to be a man like that in Ibadan. I'll never forget. I was still young when I had the story. So the mother also needed did money ritual. So the mother will sit at the gates. Because when you have that kind of money, you got, sometimes you will come home drunk. If he enters with any money into the compound that he built with that money, he will run mad. That's the end. So the mother will empty his pockets. Can't remember the person's name. He's dead now, long gone. Because such things don't last. Unfortunately, I think one day the mother slept off. And the man, it's a very popular name, <laughs> walks into the compound. Well, the guy ran mad, or maybe he died one funny death or something. Consecration. People are looking for things for the devil, and they tell them, if you can, he will, he will give you this. See, don't let nobody deceive you. The devil can bless you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why every wealth is not righteous wealth. That's why the Bible says that God will bless you without adding any sorrow to it. Because every other blessing that does not come from God comes with sorrow comes with sorrow. It comes with pain. It comes with you losing your family. Let me tell you this. Anything that makes you lose the things God has blessed you with is not from God. You are saying, oh, I'm pursuing money. God is the one blessing me. And he's destroying your marriage. Destroying your work with God. Now you don't have time for church anymore. You don't have time to serve. You don't even have time to pray personally. Ah, no, no, no. Check it. Is it that it is not from God or your priorities are now misplaced? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the source is the sustainer. The source is a sustainer. So grow your commitment, grow your consecration. I want to ring this into the ears of, of as, as many people as possible. As a believer, you are not of the world. It's becoming alarming so many things in this age and time that it's a line between the unsaved and the saved is becoming so blurry. And let me tell you this, God's standard will never shift. It will never. I don't care whatever generation it is. It's 2023, 20, 21st century, um, 21st century social media age. God has no business with those things. His standard is his standard. That's why he said, you are not of the world. Jesus said that in his prayers in John 17. He says, protect them from the world. He said, because I am not of the world, they are also not of the world. You are not of the world. Stop trying to be like the world. It's not self-esteem. It means you are not confident, you are not proud of who you are, of what God has done for you, so you must dress like them. Use their slang. Huh? Do what they do to feel accepted, so that you feel as if you are woke. Walk from what? Are you sleeping before? In slumber and stupor. You are not of the world. And you must, see, see, I, I believe this, and I've said it before, see, there are people that have told, go and backslide and be a good sinner. Not to be a sinner, be a sinner, complete one. Even the devil will know that, ah, my top sinner. And if you are going to be for God, be for God. See, you are an ambassador. The moment you identify yourself as a Christian, there are things people don't expect from you anymore. You don't know, but the world knows. That's why sometimes when you do that, say, ah, well, you are going to church yesterday now. He said, we're going to church. Because if we're really going to church, you're not supposed to be behaving that way. So you shush you have been going. Shush. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You are not of the world. 
I see. If you don't grow in consecration, you will grow in carnality. There's no middle ground. So it simply means that there are certain things I have the ability to do as I'm growing. But to maintain my consecration, I make up my mind I'm not going to do it. Was it a sin for you to bab your hair? No. But the instruction God gave to the mother of Samson before he was ever born is that this guy, there's a grace that's going to come upon him. And one thing he must not do, he must not bab. He must not drink wine. He must touch no death thing. Was it a sin? Because others were doing that. But for Samson, it may be acceptable for others, but it is wrong for you. That's consecration. I gave an illustration on Wednesday, you know, at the midweek church. There are some, even Apostle Paul said, if eating meat will make my brother or someone that is not that safe to fall into sin, he said, I'd rather not eat meat. Question, is it wrong to eat meat? Yes and no. At a certain age, you should not be eating meat again. But don't worry, many of us are not at that age, so keep eating the meat. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So meat is not wrong in itself. But Paul said that I would rather not eat meat than for someone to be... Do you know there are certain things that if someone does, it is not a sin, but you may be confused if they do it or if you do it in their presence. Do you understand? So because of your consecration and because of someone else's heart that has not matured to your own level, you don't do those things. It's not pretense, but you just don't do it. I pray God helps us. And gives us better understanding. Also, you need to grow in faith. You need to grow in faith. What does this mean? To grow in faith, please write this down. To grow in faith is to grow in your daring ability. Because you know God will come true for you. To grow in faith is to grow in your daring ability. Because you know God will come true for you. If you are not daring new things. If you are not daring things bigger than you. You are not growing in faith. So growing faith simply means that, ah, last year, this was a target I set for myself. This year, I'm going to do better. I don't know I'm going to do it. I don't have the capacity in my own self to do it. But I'm doing it because I know I'm going to enjoy divine partnership. If everything you are doing is what you can do by yourself without God, you don't have faith. So growing in faith is growing in your daring capacity, your daring ability. Knowing fully well that God will come true for you. That's why the Bible says that by faith, Noah built an ark. How did he build? Has someone built the ark before him? No. He was the first to build it. So it was by faith. Nobody had ever seen rain before. So the Bible says by faith, he did that. What are you going to do by faith? And let me tell you this. A time is going to come in your life that you will need faith. And you will need your faith to work. If you don't start developing your faith now, the day you need it, it's going to answer for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't know if we have many students in the house, but if you're a student or maybe you are a fresh graduate, you don't have responsibilities yet. The best time to grow your faith is as a single. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's as a single. If you don't grow your faith as a single, ah, it will show in marriage. Ah, it will show. It will show. Is it that it shows or you become a beggar? You'll be begging everybody, including your enemy. One day you will go and beg salt from your neighbor. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. So at the level you are now, trust. I remember how did I start building my faith, especially in finances. I was a P degree student. I remember that time I went to, 
a friend's church, in fact. God orders our steps. It was Winners Chapel in Bashan Ribado. You know, it was a babe I want to look for in that church. That day they were preaching about Titan. I was just like, all kind of nonsense. I couldn't wait for the message to be over. But something was impressed in my spirit. Titan, wow. My own domin- denomination is as if they are begging you to. The way that man was preaching that day was, if you don't do it, don't do it. So when I got to school as a PhD degree student, when he gave me pocket money at the end of the month, my dad asked. He said, so how did you spend your money? So I mentioned tithe first. My dad looked at me. Daddy, I'm sorry if you are watching this because I know you guys watch it and mom some, sometimes. <laughs> then my mom told me they watch it. I said, eh, don't watch our service again. You don't want me to be saying certain things. But sorry, I will say this one. <laughs> my dad looked at me and said, tithe? He said, it's people that work that should be paying tithe. He said, it's because the money is too much. That's why you are paying tithe. My father told me that. If my convictions were not solid, I would have stopped. But I told myself, I will not stop it. So he said, don't worry. I will reduce the money. When the money is not enough, you will not remember. He said, tithe. You take tithe out of your labor. He was a deacon. <laughs> when he told me that. He was a deacon. Huh? He's still a deacon. I don't even know his type soon now, but I think they've given him more than Jiki. You know? So after that, it was only my mom I confided in. But I kept paying my tithe. You know what happened? My sisters, when they were in school, from 100 level to last level, my dad never increased their pocket money till they left school. So one day, I think this was 200 level, I had someone that was sharing in my um, church then in school. A young pastor was just sharing that, you know, he was trusting God for a particular finance, you know, a particular um, business deal. And he gave the tithe of the profits he was expecting. I never had that before. Ah, tithe of money you have not received. Is this one all right? So I said, I'm going to, because, I said, how much was it then? 3,000 naira was my pocket money. That was what my sisters collected from P degree today left school. So 300 level, I started paying tithe, 1,000 naira. How much is left? 2000 and I will still give offering. I will see it. I will still do transportation. You know what happened? My 400 level, I saw a lot. 10,000 naira. I thought it was a mistake, so I didn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, almost a week later, my dad just called. Did you see the money? I said, Which money? I was trying to play smart. He said, You did see the 10,000 naira I sent you. So, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He said, okay, that's, that's your new pocket money. I said, what? When I told my sisters and my mom, they didn't believe it. They said, Kiloshe, <laughs> what did you do? Because my dad is a very principled man. He will not, God must have thought, that's the man that said, you should not be paying tithes. He didn't know it was my tithes that worked on him. If I didn't build my faith then, the day God told me, years ago, and this is years ago, if you think that's what I'm still paying now, you are deluded. To increase my tithe to 20%, I will not be able to do it. The day he told me to give my salary when I was still working, it was a December when everybody's looking forward to death in December. He said, That December, sow all your salary. If I did not start with 300 naira out of 3,000, I will not have the faith to do the bigger things. So, what am I saying? If you don't start using your faith now to believe God for transport fear, is it when you are married you will believe God for motor car? Huh? You are jumping levels. You start from where you are. 
growing faith. You can't use your faith for headache. See, let me tell you this. The Bible talks about the days of trouble. It will come to everyone. It's not if it will or it will not come. Because the Bible says even the devil left Jesus for a while. The devil always comes back. So grow in your faith. Because when you will need it, it may be too late. And as I round up this morning, have you been blessed? Grow in your communication. Grow in your communication. Grow in your communication. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. The Bible says, when I was a child. Can we read it together? It's on the screen. Want to go? When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, what happened? Did you notice the progression? When I was a child, what did he do? He spoke as a child. After he spoke, he now understood what he said. After the understanding, that's when he now thought. You can see that this is a classic description of a child. Because when you have grown, you are supposed to think first. When you think and you have understood, you should now talk. But children talk without weighing their words first. And you know, some of us as adults still do that. Come and jabber. Just talk. So I was even take pride in the fact that we can talk to anybody. Say, ah, that is, I'm not a child. You send home to go and get response. I will give you hot hot. As they drop. We give you. It means you are not growing. I hear what I'm saying. I'm not growing. There are certain slangs that should leave your mouth as you are growing. Am I making sense? People should hear your conversation. The Bible says, um, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt. That you may know how you ought to answer every man. Did you see that? Let your speech always be with grace. With grace. That's why in royal families, one of the things they train them on is how to talk. I just be talking anyhow. After you have spoken, now think, ah, ah, and I should have not said that too. If you are having more, I should have not said that. It means you are not growing. See, you don't have to talk. Every time you open your mouth, let it be an improvement on silence. Sometimes the best words are not said. Just keep quiet. Just keep quiet. Is the way children talk? Number one, they talk before they think. Number two, they don't consider the consequences and effect of their words before they talk. Number three, they talk for the sake of talking. No purpose, they are just talking. That's why you are talking to a child, they will, they will finish you with a question. It's not that they need that response, but they just want to be talking. Mommy, why did you wear red shoe? Because I like red shoe. Because that's the red shoe I saw. Mrs. Ezekiel is wearing red shoes. <laughs> because I like red shoe. Why do you like red shoe? Because if it's what see, it's a rabbit hole. If you start answering that question, you can answer why for the next two hours. Okay, it fits your clothes. Where did you get the clothes? I bought it. Where did you buy it? Those place. Why did you buy it? Where did you see the money? As children, they just keep. I know some people are like that. Every time you see them, their mouth is moving. You can't hear God like that. At the midweek recharge and on Sunday. If time permits, I'm going to talk about how to grow in sensitivity. 
That was where I stopped at the midweek recharge. Because you also need to grow in your sensitivity. If you are a talkative, you will not be hearing God. Always talking and talking and talking. When does God have the time to talk to you? Your life is filled with too much clutter. So grow in your communication. How do you grow in communication? Ensure your words are full of faith and not doubt. Let your words be full of faith and not doubt. When you speak, speak what you want to see, not what you are saying. Ah, this country is safe. Ah, we all know what's happening in the country. Why is it that you are the one telling us? Are you a newscaster? Everybody knows. Everybody knows. You don't need to start being the one broadcasting it. I learned something from my pastor years ago. He said, every bad news stops with me. Every bad news. In 21 years of following my pastor, I've never had him say something negative about any human being. Never. I've never had him say anything negative. Never. Not once. Not even insinuated. Not even stylishly. Let your words be full of faith and not doubt. Even when there is doubt in your head, don't let it enter your heart. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Sometimes you are standing in faith and you are not sure if this thing will happen. Keep your mouth shut. Keep saying what you want to see. How do you grow in communication number two? Let your words challenge, not damage. Some of us, someone hurts you and you are good in oratory. They say, ah, I will make you cry. I will finish you. You know you know how to talk. Especially women. See, men, listen. You can't win women in a words game. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The one is talking to you, too, you are responding. Oh. You are the one that will be frustrated at the end of the day because <laughs> and that's what makes some men resort to physical abuse. Because when they are finished all their own talking, the woman is just starting. So she's now bringing, ah! So when they cannot talk, it's now boiling. For you know, bam! Ah, ah, keep quiet! All you have been saying is enough. <laughs> you can't win that game. Anyway, male or female, make sure your words challenge, not damage. Husband to wife, wife to husband, boss to employee, employee to employer. Let your words, let it challenge, not damage. When you speak to people, don't let them feel smaller or feel destroyed or feel like no. There are some people that when they talk to you like this, when they finish you, you feel like it's not God that created you. I mean, I'm a human being like this finish you. I don't care who that person is. I don't care how subordinate they are to you. Never damage anybody with your words. You want to grow your communication next? Let your words encourage and not discourage. Let your words encourage and not discourage. Let your words encourage and not discourage. When people come to you and they have no hope, they are confused. They don't know what next to do. When you speak, let them, let them leave you knowing what next to do. Let them leave you with hope. I hear what I'm saying. Share the word with someone. Share the message with someone. Encourage them. Let them know it's going to be better. Not, oh, this country self. All of us, we don't understand. That just left them worse. God just gave you an opportunity to improve someone's life. And you just wasted that opportunity. This morning, I want us to pray. I want us to bow down our heads and talk to God. Ask for the discipline to do the things required for your growth. Ask for that discipline. The discipline to do what is required for my growth. 
Father, I receive right now. In the name of Jesus.